Get the most from your next podcasting or social media conference with these 21 tips. Welcome to the Audacity to Podcast, episode 229. Thank you for joining me for the Audacity to Podcast. I'm Daniel J. Lewis, and this is the award-winning how-to podcast about podcasting. It's where I give you the guts and teach you the tools to launch or improve your own podcast for sharing your passions and finding success. This episode is brought to you by my WordPress plugin, Social Subscribe and Follow Icons. Check it out at subscribeandfollow.com, and you have just a little bit more time left to get the July update sale. Use the promo code July Update at subscribeandfollow.com to save on your registration for that plugin. I'll tell you more about it in a little bit. Podcast movement is this upcoming weekend for me at the time of this recording, but you may be listening to this after podcast movement, before the next podcast movement, or before New Media Expo, or any other conference or social media event, something that may not even exist yet when I'm recording this, but you might be planning to go to an event, whether it be something big in Las Vegas or small in your local town or, or anything in between. There are a lot of things that we can do to really get the most from these kinds of events. And I have talked before about how you can use live in-person networking events to grow your audience. And I have a link to that past episode in the show notes for this episode, number 229 at com slash conference tips. But in this episode, I want to focus primarily on you as an attendee for these conferences, whether it be a social media conference, a podcasting conference, or this could even apply to any other kind of conference that you're attending, how to really get the most from that conference. So you're not just going, hearing some people speak, leaving and benefiting 0% from the event. So whether it be for podcast movement, New Media Expo, something else, I think these tips will help you. And I've got 21 tips. Yes, what a big list in the chat room because I do the show live on Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern time over at theaudacitypodcast.com slash live. Jason Bryant said, holy list building, Batman. Yep, 21 tips but it could be 22 or 25 or even more because I'd love for you to add your own tips in the show notes for this episode, number 229 at slash conference tips. Tip number one lodge at or near the event. Yes, it is usually and unfortunately more expensive to stay at the official hotel for the event or even a hotel right next to the official hotel. But I really do think it would be worth it to you. The times that I have stayed at off-site events, when the event is at a hotel and I've stayed somewhere else, I have regretted it. Every time that I've stayed at an event in the hotel where the event is being held, I have loved it. Yes, it usually costs more. It could cost as much as four times as much to stay at that event. And for you, it may or may not be worth it. But I would challenge you to really question whether it's worth it for you. Because just think about this. If you're staying at the same 
location as the event, then you can easily drop your stuff off in the room if you're carrying too much stuff, or maybe there's something you need to get just for something short, like your session or a video you're going to record. You can go and get that and put it back when you're finished. If the event is taking too much energy from you, then it's really easy to go up to your room, take a little nap, and come back down. And it's also more accessible for you if you're wanting to do any kind of early morning or late night networking at events that are located at or near this hotel as well, because it means you don't have as far to go back to travel to get to your room. This can often mean reduced expenses in other areas, such as taxi or Uber or any kind of transportation like that, or saving time with that kind of transportation. When I went to New Media Expo and NAB show in 2015, I stayed at a hotel, Circus Circus, that was one block away from the actual event hotel. That one block took me about 15 to 20 minutes to walk, and it wasn't always a pleasant walk because, not just because of the weather, and how I was dressed since I was dressed a little bit more formally for that event, but also the amount of equipment that I was carrying with me, a tripod, a camera, microphones, and a recorder, and all of this stuff that, because of the way I was recording at the conference, it was a hassle to lug this around. And when I took the official bus to the event, the official bus basically dropped me an equal distance away from where I needed to be as if I just walked from my actual hotel. And the busing was slow sometimes, and it can get complicated to have to deal with transportation like that. So if there is an official event hotel where the event is being held, try to stay at that. That's my tip number one, because it makes a lot of things easier for you for networking, for engaging with the community, for being more restful for you. Try and split the room with someone else if you can. That's really easy too. There's probably someone else you know going to the event or maybe you could find someone that you can trust and try to split a room with them. That cuts the cost down in half and that can make it much more accessible for you financially to be able to stay at that. So that's tip number one, lodge at or near the event. Number two, come early and stay late. At the least, I recommend that you stay for the whole conference. So that means if the conference starts in the morning on Saturday, don't get there into the state or the region in the morning on Saturday or in especially not Saturday afternoon. Get there ahead of time so you can attend every bit of the conference and then stay late. I know there are complications that come along with this like vacation days or family and such. But I really think you won't regret staying for the entire conference. I heard a great conversation in an episode of She Podcast between Elsie and Jessica, the hosts over there, where they were talking about this. And Jessica was really getting on Elsie about not staying for a particular event and really challenging her to change plans because basically you wouldn't regret it if you stay longer for the entire event and get the full value from being at the event. Yes, it means certain higher costs like hotel room and lodging, maybe a higher airplane ticket if you're flying in, but I do think it can be worth it because of the extra energy that you get and the takeaways and the networking and the people you get to meet. I really recommend if you can, to arrive the day before things start or several hours before things start. So if something starts at Friday 6 p.m., you could arrive Friday morning or early Friday afternoon, but watch out because sometimes there will be 
activities during that day. So I recommend get there a day before and leave the day after. If you can, I think you'd really, really benefit from it and you would not regret spending the extra time there. This also gives you more time to settle in, to relax, to network, to plan your event, to maybe even enjoy some of the local entertainment. Especially if you are a speaker, I think it says a lot of good things about you if you stay for the entire event. A very prominent speaker that I know for doing this is Dan Miller, author of 48 Days to the Work You Love and several other great books about business and inspiration and host of the 48 Days podcast. When he attends a conference or the ones where I've seen him attend, he stays for the entire thing. He'll speak, he'll present his session, and then What does he do after that? He listens and learns in other sessions. He stays to network with people. What that tells me about him is that this is a man who is just as interested in learning as he is in teaching, and he's interested in the people at this event, not just interested in growing his audience. So if you're a speaker at an event, try as much as possible to stay for the entire event, especially don't just show up just for your session and then leave. To me, that does not say nice things about you. If you don't value us, the attendees, your audience enough to stay beyond your actual session time, try to stay for the whole event. I don't think you would regret it. This is number two, come early, stay late. Number three, watch your health. Conferences are notorious breeding grounds for multiple viruses and bacteria. I have personally gotten sick from several conferences I've attended in the past. And for a while, it was this kind of joke to me that since leaving my full-time job, I had not gotten sick a single day for a while after I left my full-time job. And there's good reason for that. I wasn't going out in the public. I wasn't interacting with people who were carrying different germs with them like I would be at an office or around other people. So I just simply wasn't around people. But then when I started attending conferences, I realized I would get sick every year. Why? Because of the conference. And it was because I wasn't keeping a good eye on my health. I was relying too much on basic vitamins and hand sanitizer, which those things are good. And I'll give you some practical tips in a moment. But You really need to focus on your overall health, not just those easy things, but the habits that you form outside of this event, good, healthy habits that you can carry into the event to keep yourself healthy at that event so that when you get back, you are not sick from it, whether it be a cold, a flu, or even something much worse. So watch your health while you're there. Here are some practical tips that you can remember. And I know there are a lot of other tips for this, and I'd love to hear your thoughts as well. So you can comment on the show notes for episode 229 at com slash conference tips. Stay current on your vitamins, especially vitamin C. Vitamin C is great for boosting your immune system. And that doesn't mean it's going to make you invulnerable to any kind of illness that you get, but it just helps strengthen your immune system. Overdosing on vitamin C is really useless, but it's good to stay current on these things before the event, during and after the event, so that your body is a little bit more prepared to fight any kind of toxins or bacteria that you come in contact with. Also drink plenty of water, especially at events where you're doing a lot of talking 
and networking with people, a lot of moving around, a lot of walking, you can dehydrate very quickly. And that can hurt your vocal cords, that can hurt your body, that can hurt your overall health during that event too, and make you a little bit more susceptible to some viruses as well. So drink plenty of water so that you don't find yourself losing your voice at the event. Or even just stuff like phlegm in the back of your throat tends to go away when you're fully hydrated. So drink lots of water while you're there. If they don't provide water there, bring a bottle of some sort. I've got a great little bottle that folds up so it's easy to take on the plane, but it also hooks to my belt. So it's really easy for me to carry around. I fill that up if there's not water provided at the event. But even if there is, I still fill it up because when it's convenient, it's right there for me. So I can drink it when I need water. I don't have to wait until I reach one of these places where water is. A great tip that I've learned since getting into the conference space, and it's just a good health tip overall, don't touch your face. Not only can touching your face cause acne, which is just a horrible, ugly thing anyway, but most of the viruses that we get make their way into our systems through our eyes, nose, and mouth. And most of the time, it's carried there, yes, sometimes by airborne toxins and moisture in the air, and some of that's unavoidable unless you wear a mask. But a lot of it makes its way into our body because of our hands. We shake people's hands, we touch things, we wipe things, we touch door handles that other people have touched and they haven't washed their hands. So don't touch your face. That's just moving whatever germs and bad bacteria are on your hands onto your face and possibly into your body. Our skin is designed wonderfully that it helps keep these toxins out, most of these common viruses and bacteria. But if you bring those into your body, then it's inevitable that you're going to get sick. And this is what has happened to me quite often in the past is I wasn't conscious of this. And I would maybe just rub my nose or get a little piece of dry skin that was hanging off my mouth or just wipe some extra lip balm off my lips or something like that. Rub my eyes since I wear contacts and sometimes my eyes get irritated. But I was just introducing the bacteria. Try to avoid that. If you need to touch your face, then here's the other tip. Bring a handkerchief or tissues and that's what you use to touch your face and bring plenty of these. I have a tissue for each day of the conference. Not that the tissue is actually marked Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, but I'll use a new one every day because I want to make sure I'm not just fostering growth of the bacteria in the tissues and then spreading it back onto my face. But if you need to rub your face, scratch your nose, rub your eyes, anything like that, have a tissue, have something else for touching your face so that your hands with whatever bacteria are on them are not touching your face. Or if you don't have anything like that with you, you don't have a long sleeve shirt on or anything like that, then certainly don't use your hands to touch your face. Use the back of your wrist. This can be fine for maybe a brief nose scratch, maybe a light rubbing of your eyes or something quick, those kinds of things. Don't touch your face with your hands. Stay healthy there. And of course, the more important thing is to wash your hands as often as possible. 
the soap that you use doesn't necessarily matter as much as the act of washing your hands. And this is why it's important to take your time washing your hands, not to just quickly wash, dry, and you're done. Take your time because the what soap is designed to do is not kill bacteria. Soap is designed to dislodge bacteria from your hands and take this stuff off. And that's why you need to lather up a whole lot, spend your time washing your hands, and then rinse it off completely. That's breaking off the bacteria from binding to your hands and then washing it down the sink so it's no longer on your hands. And you're not removing the good bacteria on your hands. Hand sanitizers kill, well, as they say on the bottles, 99% of most common germs, which realistically, what does that mean the actual percentage is? 99% of most common germs. Yeah, just think about that one for a little bit. That's kind of, I don't like that advertising line. But hand sanitizer will kill also the good bacteria that you have on your hands, bacteria that can be keeping your hands moisturized or keeping your hands clean. So try to avoid using hand sanitizer if you can. Work first on washing your hands as often as possible. Yes, if you wash your hands a lot, it means your hands might dry out more. Your lips will also dry out more, especially in hot and dry places like out west. So have some hand lotion or lip balm to use during these events, and you'll be very grateful for that. As a last resort for keeping your hands clean, have some hand sanitizer with you. And this can be something great to use discreetly when you can't wash your hands. I don't recommend that the moment after you shake someone's hand that you then immediately put on some hand sanitizer, though I think in this day, people might be a little bit understanding and somewhat respectful of that, but it is still kind of an insult if someone sees you sanitizing your hands almost immediately after shaking theirs. But do be aware of what your hands have touched and sanitize them before you go off shaking someone else's hand or go wash your hands. That's much better. Also get plenty of rest at these events. Yes, it's great to stay up and party with people and network and all of this stuff, but your body needs rest. It needs rest to stay healthy. It needs rest to give you energy for the next day. So get plenty of rest. A friend of mine went to an event and he was so wrapped up in the energy of the event that he suffered from some major sleep deprivation and that caused some major, major problems for him at the event. Uh, Some horrible things happened and that could have been avoided by getting some good rest and taking those breaks when you need it. Also, exercise is a good thing. Depending on the event, it might have its own built-in exercise. Like NAB show has a lot of walking around, so it's very easy to get your 10,000 or 20,000 steps in at the event during a day. But still, make sure you do give yourself some exercise before the event as well, because if it is one of those events where you're doing a lot of walking, you need the strength to make it through. And lastly, tip here for watching your health, make healthy food and drink decisions. Yes, it's fun to go eat out and try these new things or get these awesome milkshakes and such, but you don't want to hurt your progress with your health if you're trying to lose weight or you're trying to overcome something else with your health. So make healthy food and drink decisions. That doesn't mean you have to always eat salad, but be conscious of how much you're eating. Maybe don't get that big platter. 
Maybe you get a small appetizer that still looks and sounds great, but it's just the right amount of food that you need. Especially since at most event hotels, there's not a refrigerator or a microwave where you can take food back, keep it, and reheat it for later on. This is number three watch your health. Number four, plan ahead. Most conferences will release the session schedule ahead of time, so it gives you that opportunity to pick the sessions that you prefer to attend before you get to that event. There are many things that you need to plan ahead for, not just the actual sessions, but how else do you want to use your time? Try to plan to have some flexible time that you can use for networking or attending certain events or meeting up with people or to be able to say when you meet someone there in person and they say, hey, I really, really need to talk to you. Can, can we sit down for 10 minutes? You might not have the time right then, but you can say, you know what? I know I'll have some availability in an hour. Find me again in an hour and I'll look out for you in an hour and let's talk again. And then you can give that attention to that person that you need. Or maybe you're the person that needs that attention. So plan ahead with these things, especially if there are people you're trying to meet or things you're trying to do beyond just attend sessions, then plan ahead with those things. I did not plan ahead enough when I went to New Media Expo and NAB show These are two big conferences together. NAB show was booth after booth after booth of microphones and cameras and mixers and a lot of really cool equipment. And I was trying to record videos there. And I was also trying to attend New Media Expo and speak at New Media Expo and network. I didn't plan enough ahead to be able to do things. And there were people I didn't get to meet. There were conversations I didn't get to have. There were things I didn't get to do because I didn't plan my time well enough And I think I also tried to do too much. And that's number five. Don't try to do too much. It's easy to pack too much into a single event, especially something like podcast movement or new media expo or social media marketing world, where there might be a lot of people that you know and highly respect. Maybe you want to get them onto your podcast. Maybe you want to meet a hundred different people. You want to have lunch with a dozen people. You want to attend 20 different great looking sessions. You want to record interviews or a podcast live at the event. And all of this you're trying to pack into a single one day conference. That's not gonna happen. Think about what's most important. And that is basically a once in a lifetime sort of event, the kinds of things you can't repeat. Those should be the things you go after. Sure, there might be someone you want to interview. So talk to them, get their contact information, and schedule that interview for later on. They have things they want to do as well at the conference. They might not be able to give you their undivided attention at the conference for an interview. They might not even have a very good conversation with you at the event because it's catching them a little off guard. So schedule those interviews for later on, and you might end up with higher audio quality then as well. You can do those interviews anytime. You can do other things at any time. Focus on the most important things and don't try to pack too much into a single event. That's tip number five. Number six, pack lightly. Optimize your wardrobe so that you have a fresh change of clothes of whatever's touching your skin for every day. But I really recommend go light with everything else as much as possible. And I know this is very much a guy thinking sort of thing because, you know, guys can turn it inside out, forward, backwards, and inside out again. 
that's a joke. We don't actually do that. But certainly have the necessities to last for the time. But maybe you don't need a pair of pants for every single day. Maybe you can wear the same pair of pants for two days or three days. Or maybe the outer shirt you're wearing that doesn't touch your skin or doesn't touch your skin much can be worn twice during a week-long event. When you pack light, for one thing, it means there's less to move around with you, easier dressing decisions in the morning. But it could also mean saving some money on your airfare by not having to pay to check your baggage. And it means, if you don't have to check baggage, that you could then also get on and off the plane more quickly, get to the event faster, get back home faster. At many conferences, you'll also very likely have the opportunity to get some free t-shirts while you're there. So you might be able to even go a little bit light on the t-shirts that you might be taking with you to the event. And speaking of t-shirts, they can make lighter weight decisions than something like a collared shirt or a dress shirt or a sweater or something bigger and thicker. A t-shirt then is lighter, very easy to fold, takes up very little space in your luggage. If you're taking any kind of gear with you, think twice about that. Pack lightly with your gear as well. I know it's easy for us as podcasters to go really light maybe on our clothing, but then we're bringing all of this gear with us, our DSLR, some kind of lighting kit, tripod, miniature mixer, microphone, recorder, all of this stuff. Yeah, that gives you great quality. But if you're not there to actually produce certain videos or trying to make a major production, maybe go with the essentials. You don't need a DSLR if you're just going to be taking some snapshots here and there or filming some casual videos. Your smartphone camera might be good enough for that. Similarly, if you want to get some kind of audio snippets like, hi, this is Daniel J. Lewis and you're listening to such and such podcast or something like that then you can get really good quality still by using your smartphone's built-in microphone. Just make sure that you're close enough to it. Yes, there's going to be noise in the background. There will be noise in the background even if you're using professional equipment. But try to pack lightly, and I don't think you'll regret it. That's tip number six. Number seven, bring podcast or business cards. I really recommend that you have some cards for yourself. And I have a link in the show notes for this episode, number 229, to a past episode where I talked about the essential elements of great podcast business cards. And if you need a place to get some printed, I have a link to a print shop that I recommend. It's not an affiliate link, but it is a place that I use and trust to do some good quality and have great prices. It's in the show notes for this episode as well. And if you need a designer, please contact me and I can refer you to some. But don't be a a card ninja throwing business cards like ninja stars to everyone that you meet. I think you should try to be kind and courteous with your cards and not all about passing your cards out to everyone that you meet. This isn't really a shallow numbers game where you're just trying to spam everyone with your cards. It's really about depth and lasting connections. When someone gives me their business card before we've even started talking, and I've seen this happen, happens more often in business kinds of situations where someone comes into a little circle of conversation and the first thing they do before they've even opened their mouth. They start passing out their business cards. When someone does that, I'm being transparent here, it makes me respect them less. It makes me think, you're not here to give. You're here to get. 
So try to focus on those deeper conversations. What I like to do, and this is my personal decision, is I usually wait to give my business card or podcast card until someone asks for it or if there's something I want them to remember or I know I want to stay connected with them. And if they haven't asked for my card, I ask if I may give them a card too. They always say yes, sure. But there is, I think, something a little bit psychological about getting them to agree to receive my business card than just saying, here's my card. And this kind of thing happens near the end of the conversation. It's like calls to action in podcasting. If you ask for reviews and ratings at the beginning of your episode, you're less likely to get it because you haven't earned the review or rating yet. Ask at the end of the episode, and that's when you've earned it. So treat your business cards or podcast cards the same way. That's number seven. Number eight, write on podcast and business cards that you receive. This is my best tip for remembering to follow up with people. Take notes on what you talk about. When they give you their business cards, write on it. Have a pen with you. Yes, I don't like paper, but I try to have a pen with me at events. So note anything that you talked about, something that stood out to you about this person, some kind of action that you need to take to follow up with this person. This isn't only good for you to be able to remember this so that as you're flipping your through your cards, you see, oh yeah, I need to contact this person about this thing, or oh yeah, this person said they were looking for this and I just found this resource. But this is also something that shows some nice respect and interest to the other person. It shows that you're listening, you're engaged, you're interested in more than just their title on their business card, but you're interested in remembering something about them, connecting with them in some way. So write those kinds of things down. Speaking of taking notes, number nine, when you're in a session, take notes on takeaways, not outlines. It's easy depending on the kind of presentation, the slides, the presenter, to just copy the outline from their own presentation. This is point one, this is point two, this is point three, these are the subpoints. these are the quotations. I don't recommend that you copy the outline. If you really, really need the outline, then you might be able to ask for it, or maybe they're even planning to give it out in some way afterward. But instead, focus on those things that you can take away from the presentation. Sometimes that is built into the outline. If the presenter is good at creating an outline and good at creating slides, then the text that he displays on the screen or his outline is very actionable, but it might not be all applicable to you. So focus on your takeaways, not every takeaway they give, but what can you apply What helps you in your situation? What stands out to you? What is that thing that you need to remember? What amazed you? What new resource do you need to investigate further? Those are the kinds of things that you should write down and not just point one, point two, point three. My slides are very simple in their design and I have a presentation design background. So I do really focus on making great looking slides, but I try to make my slides more just a a helpful guide on where we are in the conversation and a context for my audience. So if there's just that brief moment where someone blanks out, they get a fuzz in their ear or whatever, and they're thinking, wait, what's he talking about? Oh yeah, we're on this point, or this is the context of this conversation right now. Those takeaways then are more actionable for you than 
a regular outline. The takeaway could be buy this book, get this plugin, try this technique instead of titles, subtitles, meta information, images. What am I even talking about there? I could be talking about Pinterest. I could be talking about SEO. I could be talking about how to write up image plugin for WordPress. That outline doesn't give you a takeaway. Your takeaways are what are most important for you to remember. So take notes on those, not the outlines. That's tip number nine. Number 10, use a Bluetooth keyboard, not a laptop. This is really helpful when you're taking notes. And I know there are many psychological reasons to use paper rather than a digital system for taking notes. And that's really up to you which one you want to use. But if you choose to use a digital system, then I recommend you make it as small and lightweight as possible. Bringing a laptop, especially some of these modern laptops are 17 inches or 19 inches, or some of the Windows laptops especially are pretty heavy. It means lugging around a power adapter, lugging the heavy laptop around this big thing. You need space to put that laptop in front of you, or you need some really good legs that aren't going to burn from the hot laptop. And you have to be a slave to the power outlet. You're always looking for that power outlet as other people are. You have to rely on your battery in your laptop. Plus, your laptop probably has most of your computing power, if not all of it, right there in front of you during the session. And that can be really distracting as you start to play with things. You get this idea that, oh, I want to try this little thing on my WordPress website. Or, oh, what emails do I have right now? Or, oh, this thing just came in. Or, huh, someone just posted this thing on Facebook. It's hilarious. You can lose your focus in the session if you have all of that power in front of you. So I recommend to skip the laptop. Yes, it might be lightweight, but try something even lighter weight. If you need a large screen to be able to see better what you're writing or just more space for while you're writing, consider a tablet. I really like iPads for this more than Android devices. I had an iPad before I had an iPhone, by the way, and it was the iPad that convinced me to switch to an iPhone from an Android phone. But here's an even better tip. Don't just bring an iPad Bring a Bluetooth keyboard to go along with that tablet. A Bluetooth keyboard can connect wirelessly to the tablet. It's lightweight. It can often be the protective case for the tablet by itself, so you might not need to carry a case for the tablet. And a Bluetooth keyboard will allow you to type a lot more quickly and accurately than if you're trying the on-screen keyboard. And it positions the screen of the tablet in a better angle. This combination, a tablet and a Bluetooth keyboard, are not only lightweight and small, but they also usually have great battery life. I have been able to go to a conference, take notes all day on my old iPad, the original Retina iPad, and a Bluetooth keyboard, and my battery never died during the day. And I was using it all day, taking notes. I never had to plug in I never had to be a slave to the power outlet. But if you don't have a tablet, here's, I think, one of the best kept secrets in technology. Bluetooth keyboards also usually work with smartphones. So you don't have to worry about bringing a tablet. If you have a smartphone, get a standalone Bluetooth keyboard, something that's flat and hard that you can set on your lap or on a flat surface in front of you, like a table or a desk. And you can pair that with your phone 
so that you're typing your notes directly into a note-taking app on your phone, like Evernote. And I have a link to that in the show notes if you're interested. This is how I do movie reviews, actually. I'll go in a theater where it's dark, you're not supposed to have a screen, or sometimes not even supposed to have a phone. I'll have my phone in my pocket or in the uh, pouch on my belt, and it's just sitting there, but it's wirelessly connected to my Bluetooth keyboard, and I just blindly type. It's much easier to blindly type than blindly write. And I have good notes then that I can refer to afterward. For you, this means less stuff to lug around. It means having the ability to quickly write those notes or those tweets or whatever it is, but also not being distracted by the other stuff. It's really lightweight. This is number 10. Use a Bluetooth keyboard, not a laptop. Number 11, tweet your notes. Consider sharing what you're learning, these great takeaways and other useful resources with others by posting them on Twitter. You can also avoid having to duplicate your work of taking notes and tweeting them using a service like If This Then That or IFTTT, which can look at all of the tweets you send during a certain time, or maybe it's all of the tweets with a particular hashtag, plus all of the tweets you favorite or retweet or any combination of those kinds of things. And it can then easily collect all of these into something for you. You could use a service like Storyify, or you could use Evernote or something like that integrated with If This Then That, so that all of these tweets from the event go into a single note, and then you have those for later on. You have your notes that you also shared out, but you didn't have to do copy and paste and that kind of thing back and forth. This also helps with some of the networking and helps with following the conversation that's going along with the event and can encourage some more personal interactions afterward. People will be asking you questions or they'll be saying, oh, thank you very much for sharing that. I didn't get that note. You can start conversations this way afterward that you might not have been able to have if you weren't sharing your notes through Twitter. And speaking of Twitter, number 12, use and follow the official hashtag. This is a big pet peeve of mine. If there's an official hashtag, then use it and only that hashtag, unless there's a really good reason to use additional hashtags, but don't use multiple versions of the same hashtag. For example, New Media Expo's official hashtag is NMX, stands for New Media Expo. But when I go to New Media Expo, I see other variations like NMX 15 or NMX 2015 or New Media Expo. Even though the letters NMX appear in the beginning of NMX 15 and NMX 2015, they are completely different hashtags for most social networks. If you search for NMX 15, you're not going to get NMX 2015 or NMX. If you search for just NMX, you won't get NMX 15. Even though they're similar, really Twitter and other social networks see them as completely different. So learn whatever that official hashtag is and use that. Use that in all of your posts about the event. That is on Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, Google+, Instagram, Vine, and wherever else you might be using it. Use that official hashtag. Twitter is a great place to go during the conference because a lot of people are on Twitter and they're sharing their stuff. It's public. It's easy to use. The thing about Twitter, though, is to follow the conversation in the native form. It's just a little bit cumbersome. That's where I love tools like tchat.io 
and tweetchat.com. And I have links to these in the show notes for this episode. These allow you to follow the hashtag in like a chat room flow where you see in real time as tweets are coming in that use this official hashtag. And you can hide certain things like hide retweets or mute certain people or highlight certain people. This also makes it easy for you to join the conversation by automatically including the hashtag for any tweet that you send through that website. And those sites are also mobile friendly. So you can do this on your mobile device or on a computer. So you're participating in the conversation and you're getting to see the conversation that's going along. And it's a lot easier than using Twitter search or a search inside of your Twitter app. That's tchat.io and tweetchat.com and the links are in the show notes. Just make sure you're using the official hashtag for the event. Find out what that is and use that one. Number 13, never eat alone and never hang out in cliques. There are amazing people at events, and in fact, so many amazing people that there's really no excuse for being alone. Even if you're an introvert, regardless of how you define that, having a meal with someone is often more comfortable than trying to connect with many people at a time or trying to go and meet new people. So it could just be you see someone interesting that you think there's some kind of connection, a conversation you could have, and you could just say, hey, do you mind if I join you for lunch? You don't even have to invite them to lunch yourself. You could just say, hey, are you going with anyone? May I join you? I'd like to meet some new people. And there are just so many people here, I can't meet them all. It's also really easy to, by default, hang out with the people that you already know at the event. So, Try to avoid making those clicks with the people you're familiar with. Branch out, meet new people, or hang out some with the people that you don't have as good of relationships with, but you would like to strengthen those relationships. The people outside of your normal circles. Like when I go to podcast movement, it could be really easy for me to want to just hang out with Dave Jackson, Ray Ortega, Cliff Ravenscraft, Todd Cochran, Rob Walsh, just these people that I know really well in the podcasting space and other podcasting gurus. And I do want to hang out with them, but I also want to hang out with you. I want to hang out with other people that are there. So try to never eat alone and try to avoid hanging out in clicks. Number 14, attend networking events. Networking events are usually intended for something specific and profound. Networking. Even if you don't stay for the entire networking event, and I'm known for often leaving networking events early when the music is too loud, which happens way too often. But even if you don't stay, at least make an appearance and talk to a few people. You may be able to find some quiet corner somewhere, or you might meet other people who would be saying, yeah, hey, how about we just leave this loud networking event? Let's go get coffee or ice cream or a drink or a dinner together, and let's continue this conversation somewhere more quiet where we can actually hear each other. And you can make these connections that you wouldn't otherwise make if you don't go to those networking events. There can also be some really fun things going on at networking events, some fun games, some networking opportunities. Sometimes there will be loud spaces. Sometimes there will be quiet spaces. There are a lot of factors that go into that, but I do recommend at least make an appearance and check it out. And again, don't just go to your little click, your little circle of friends that you know. Try to meet some new people and talk 
to some people, have some other conversations. As a little side note here, there may be alcohol at these events, and certainly consumption is entirely up to you. But I do recommend that you stay aware of how much you consume and what your limit is so that you avoid getting drunk. Or if you get drunk, bad things can happen. Even if you don't get fully intoxicated, there can still be that point where maybe you overdo it a little bit too much and you'll end up feeling embarrassed because you're just having a hard time forming your words or maybe you're getting dehydrated from the event. You're running out of energy. You're a little bit more tired than you would have been. And this can hinder communication and maybe give someone a bad impression of you. So have some self-control there at the events and be careful with it if you decide to partake. And of course, your limit and whether you partake is totally up to you. Number 15, host a meetup. If you have an audience, try to meet up with them or tell people that you're giving the opportunity for people to meet up with you. If you're going to be at Podcast Movement 2015 and you're hearing this episode before then, then text PM2015 to 33444 and I'd love to meet up with you while at the event. And if you have any kind of audience, you could put out the word, even if they're not going to the event, you could invite them still to, hey, let's have coffee at this time at this location just outside of the event, or let's have breakfast together. This can be something formal like a party, a dinner event with lots of tables reserved, or it could be something really casual like, hey, let's get dessert at such and such place at such and such time. Consider hosting a meetup and being a leader with your community and connecting with people who might not be there at the event, but are in the area. Number 16, get the virtual ticket. No matter what the conference is or how big it is or what you're interested in at the conference, it seems almost inevitable that at least for good conferences, there will be multiple simultaneous sessions that you would love to attend. You could try splitting your time between these sessions and attend half of this one and half of that one or a third of this one, a third of this one, a third of that one. But I really recommend instead, just get the virtual ticket. The virtual ticket, if it's offered, usually gives you the freedom to miss a session for whatever reason that is, whether it's that you want to continue a conversation in the hallways, you need some rest in your room, you need to prepare for something else, you want to talk to exhibitors, or you want to go to a different session. The virtual ticket means that you can then listen to or watch those sessions later on. No, you don't get as much opportunity to ask questions live or network with the people who are interested in that same topic or talk to the speakers as well, but it's still a great option. And even if you did attend the session, you can go back and rewatch or re-listen to the session and get more information from it or get something that you missed while you were in that session. Number 17, opt-in for extras. Many speakers will give you the opportunity to join their email list or opt-in or or something where you get additional resources, maybe a copy of their session, maybe even a little bit before the virtual ticket, or maybe it's a bonus resources, some offer or anything like that. Yes, you'll probably be added to their regular mailing list, which may include other offers at some point, and some of them may be premium offers, some of them may be free offers. But if you appreciate what they do and you appreciate the content that they're giving you essentially for free, and by the way, most of the time, these breakout session speakers 
are not paid for being there. Show some support for them and value their time. Let them have that opportunity to share something, maybe even a premium offering with you at some point, and you might find great value in it as well. You might find more information that you need. So that's 17. Number 18, start or join conversations regardless of how you classify or even define personalities and different types, introvert, extrovert, and such. It can be tricky to join certain conversations. But if you're at a social media event, then it's very likely the people there are a bit more social. So unless you see someone having a conversation off in a corner or clearly separating themselves from everyone else and it looks like it's a private conversation, then don't feel bad about working your way into a conversation. Don't interrupt. Don't suddenly jump in and start giving out your business cards or saying, hey, everybody listen to my podcast. But maybe just actively listen. Start shaking your head as you're listening to the conversation. If you're around other good networkers, then they should know this great technique, which some people call plant and pivot. It's essentially a way of acknowledging that, oh, you are there. You're interested in talking to one of us, or maybe you're interested in this conversation. Let's just welcome you in. Let's expand the circle of this conversation. So if it's two people talking face-to-face, then I might step away a little bit, and then we form a triangle. If we're already a triangle, I might step away a little bit and welcome someone in. So now we've formed a square or a circle, something like that. So now you're brought into the conversation. If you are talking with someone else and you see someone standing nearby, try to do that same thing with them. You might be connecting great people, or you might be seen then as a great networker, a very respectful networker, uh, an engaged person. I know it can be hard to start conversations sometimes with a complete stranger. So here are some questions. I've got these in the show notes as well if you want some ideas for how you can start a conversation at an event. What brings you here? What's your experience with blank? And that can be some tip someone shared, a topic, maybe it's the overall topic of the conference, like, hey, what's your experience with podcasting? What has been your favorite session thus far? What are your biggest takeaways from something you heard? Or what's your one biggest takeaway from something you heard? And how are you hoping to benefit from this event? These questions can be great starting questions for someone. It's much better than just small talk like, hey, where are you from? What's your podcast? Are you looking for guests? You want to be a guest on my podcast? Nice weather we're having, isn't it? These questions go a bit deeper, but not so deep that you might be uncomfortable, but it connects you with people and you might find yourself having deep conversations with people after you ask these kinds of questions. Number 19, be fully present. You may be tempted to bring work with you, especially if you have your laptop computer or people are calling you, but I really recommend that you not work while at conferences. If you aren't fully present at the event, then it's very likely you might be wasting some of the investment that it took for you to get there. So let your coworkers, your team, your staff, or people who are emailing you through voicemail uh, notices or email autoresponders, let the people know that you're going to be gone and that you'll be unavailable. And don't call people from the event unless for some reason it's like 
there's blood, broken bones, lost limbs, something catastrophic is happening. Focusing any less than 100% at a conference wastes your time and also the time of those people around you because you're not giving 100%. You're not receiving 100%. Be fully present at events. Number 20, bring backup batteries. Don't be a slave to the power outlets, but bring some spare batteries if your device has changeable batteries or bring some of these backup USB charging devices that you can use. And I have a link in the show notes for this episode to some Anchor devices on Amazon.com. And they make some great portable devices that can charge your iPhone maybe two or three times. And that can give you enough energy for the entire day or your iPad or some other device. Make sure that you have the right charging cables with you. And maybe even have a couple of the right charging cables just in case you leave one back in the hotel room or something else happens to a cable that you have. Don't bring the long 10-foot cords with you, but bring maybe a short 3-inch cord or a 1-foot cord, something that's easy to fit in your pocket so that you can charge your device as you need to, but you don't have to anchor yourself next to a wall for the charging outlet. And number 21, follow-up. The event may have worn you out, it may have inspired you, you may have been overwhelmed by all of the information, you may have met some wonderful people, you may have been equipped with more resources. All of this will be a total waste if you don't follow up in some way. And following up doesn't just mean returning phone calls or contacting people you met, but following up with ideas following up with resources, with techniques, with that inspiration, with the information that you want to use. So here are some tips to follow up better. Schedule a time to pursue these new ideas or resources. Set reminders for yourself. It's common for me to go to an event and then use my iPhone to say, remind me to do this thing when I get home so that when I get home, it reminds me. And it continues to remind me every time I get home after even just errands because I haven't done that event yet. So it inspires me to do it. You could also scan business cards into something that's easily searchable and taggable, like Evernote does really well with this. And you could scan those during the events. You could set those business cards then for reminders for those people that you need to follow up with. And what can also help you is to make a kind of template email that you can send and slightly customize, though, for each person that you're following up with. Don't just say, hey, it was great to meet you. Check out my podcast. But try to customize it to what you said when you were talking with them or what they said their needs are. And where do you get that information? From the notes you took on your conversation that you wrote down on their business cards. That's a great reason to record those thoughts so you know why you're following up, what kind of follow-up they need. Another form of follow-up that's really, really important is sending feedback to the event organizers. Event organizers love feedback. It, try to focus on being positive and constructive. Don't just criticize because there was something you didn't like. Give constructive criticism. If you didn't like something, suggest something else. Suggest a way they could improve it. Or just be positive in the way. Don't just be the person who's complaining about the event. I have to practice this sometimes, especially when there's loud music at networking events. I still struggle sometimes to be constructive in my feedback and criticisms. But 
don't just give general feedback for the event, like great event and I'd love to come again. Give some specific feedback. Also, give feedback for the sessions you attend. The speakers love that. And all feedback drives future decisions for the event. Will the speaker come back? If they received only negative feedback, then they might never come back or be invited back. If they received great, amazing, positive feedback, then they'll probably be invited back and they may even be given a bigger opportunity to be the keynote speaker or have a larger room or a more engaging topic or anything else like that. So send that feedback to them. It's a great way to follow up with the event and inspire the next event because event organizers, speakers, everyone involved wants to know what did you think of this? What would you like to see changed? What would you like to see improved? What do you think needs some improvement? But in all of this, seek to be constructive in it. Even with your negative feedback, seek to build it up and help make other people successful. So these 21 tips are available in the show notes for episode 229 at slash conference tips. And they are number one, lodge at or near the event. Number two, come early, stay late. Number three, watch your health. Number four, plan ahead. Number five, don't try to do too much. Number six, pack lightly. Number seven, bring podcast or business cards. Number eight, write on podcast or business cards you receive. Number nine, take notes on takeaways, not outlines. Number 10, use a Bluetooth keyboard, not a laptop. Number 11, tweet your notes. Number 12, use and follow the official hashtag. Number 13, never eat alone or hang out in clicks. Number 14, attend networking events. Number 15, host a meetup. Number 16, get the virtual ticket. Number 17, opt in for extras. Number 18, start or join conversations. Number 19, be fully present. Number 20, bring backup batteries. And number 21, follow up. I'd love to hear from you. What are your best conference tips? Please leave a comment in the show notes at theaudacitypodcast.com slash conference tips, whether it be just before podcast movement, just after podcast movement, some stuff you thought, oh, I wish I had thought of this. or I wish I learned about that. Or maybe it's years from now and you still have some tips that I didn't share in this episode. Please comment at theaudacitypodcast.com slash conference tips. Big thanks to Beetle Rose from the United States of America for leaving a kind review for me in iTunes. They said, Daniel is very open, honest, and practical. His podcast is a must listen for podcasters or for those getting into podcasting. The podcast content is largely Daniel giving great tips and advice and sharing his years of experience as a pro podcaster and web consultant. Thank you very much for the kind review. It encourages me and it helps other people find the podcast. You can get your own reviews for your podcast by going to mypodcastreviews.com, sent to you automatically from all of the countries. Now that I've given you some of the guts and taught you some of the tools, it's time for you to go launch or improve your own podcast for sharing your passions and finding success. I'm Daniel J. Lewis from theaudacitypodcast.com. Thank you for listening. The Audacity Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. You know what we use on Noodle Mix Network? All of the Noodle Mix Network sites is my WordPress plugin, social subscribe and follow icons. And if you go to subscribeandfollow.com before 
August 1st. Through the rest of July 2015, use the promo code JULYUPDATE and you can save 20% off the subscribe and follow plugin for WordPress. This gives you icons for like iTunes, Stitcher, for now Android and Apple. If maybe you have your own app on these platforms, you want to use subscribe on android.com. There's also now an icon for Clamor and SpeakPipe, icons for TuneIn, icons for Pinterest and other great social networks. Even Etsy has an icon in there. Check it all out at subscribeandfollow.com. We use it with NoodleMix Network and it really helps us. It's on every NoodleMix Network website. And use the promo code July Update. And also check out all of our other podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. And the Audacity to Podcast is also a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Find more at techpodcasts.com.